my name is Oliver. Uh, on Instagram, I am known as the, the Sober Chef. If anybody wants to reach out after this video and contact me, please feel free. Um, I am doing a video for people who have suffered from child abuse, sexual abuse, or in my case, teenage sexual abuse. And um, doing this video today feels um, a bit overwhelming, a bit frightening, uh, but also feels like a, a step in the absolute, the right direction. And I'm hoping that if anybody can, can take something from this today, that will encourage them to, to move forward, that will be, it'll all be worthwhile. It'll all be worthwhile. Um, I am, I'm 47 years of age. Um, and I was sexually abused from the age of 15 to 17 uh, by a, a man through, uh, through a church that my parents um, attended. Um, my father had died three years previously, so he wasn't around. Um, and that was, a, of course, that was an enormous factor that there wasn't a, a male presence. Uh, and my mother was grieving both the loss of her husband um, and the fact that my behaviour had become very, very challenging and unmanageable. Um, churches are full of very, very vulnerable and desperate people. They're also full of very trusting people, so things get ignored. Um, and they're often full of people as well who are looking to abuse and be predators. Um, so that's a little bit of the background as to how it ended up where it did. I um I was terrified of this uh, I was terrified of this man uh, initially uh, it was just psychological uh, and verbal abuse it started very very quickly uh, but from the off um, he was always trying to touch me put my hand put his hands on me uh, I remember being very very scared one time when he had me in an office lying down and he was just rubbing rubbing my chest you know up through my up through my top none of it none of it was right uh, there's also the fact as well that I'd, I'd been to boarding school, I went to boarding school in the late 80s and the 90s. They were horrific environments, you know. Teachers used to teachers used to batter, or certainly be very very physical with pupils. Um, and I'd inadvertently I'd become I'd become used to that, you know, male dominant male figures putting their hands on me, and not being able to vocalise that. So when it when it went up a gear, through through sexual and physical physical and then sexual abuse. It just seemed like another rung on the ladder for me. It was absolutely, um, it was absolutely horrific. Um, I was also duped with drugs, um, applied with alcohol, um, and initially I was able to sort of repel um, what went on. I had to live with him for a while, um, which of course was just perfect. He was able to isolate me and pull me away from any support networks or anything that I could have had. Um, and I was able to sort of just keep it to sort of touching and, and conversations that I was deeply, deeply uncomfortable with. Um, you know, from the off, he was suggesting that I was in all likelihood probably gay. I just didn't, I just didn't know it. Um, and like you say, the normalizing, the grooming of it. Um, but I guess things just weren't moving along quickly enough. Um, I made a mistake once with some house keys um, and he couldn't get into the house. Um, and when I did come home, I went out looking for him. I couldn't find him anywhere. Um, he beat he beat me black and blue, um, and it was terrifying. You know, I'm a, I'm a very small guy, so you can imagine me at 16. I was very um, I was very 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 small, 
was a fully grown male, you know, he easily, easily overpowered me, you know, um, and that was when the fear, the fear set in, and as soon as, they, as soon as they've got you in there and you're scared of them, um, and they've psychologically broken you down, it's, it's carte blanche for, for those type of people to do, to do whatever they want. Um, and it was, it was a horrific experience for me to, for me to go through. Um, another enormous problem that I had that I can remember very, very close. My mother came around once. It was quite early in the morning, um, and he was grooming my mother as well. Um, and, and he was drunk. He was half past ten in the morning, maybe even earlier, and he was ranting away like a madman. I remember being so grateful and thinking he's showing his colours here. Um, and my, you know, and my mother still left me there, you know, um, and it's what they call an abuse, don't they call it the second scar, you know, I eventually told my mother in 1998 about the abuse, um, I wanted her to call the church, or at least to call the youth programme within the church to prevent other people from having to experience what I had experienced, and my mother, you know, she didn't want to make a scene, you know, she didn't want to make a fuss, um, and she said to me, well, maybe you had to go through that to become a better version of yourself. Um, and then she never spoke about it again. But I had a very, very complex and very abusive relationship with my mother as well until 2015 when I finally took her to task. Um, and I see a lot of that in various support groups around CSA and other people that have been abused, you know, people that have greenlit or people that have turned a blind eye to sexual abuse. Um, when it comes back around, uh, a part of it is they, you know, victim shaming, or they, they build a narrative around it because they, they just don't want to look at the fact that you know they've they, you know they have massively failed as people. Um, I mean, I would do anything to protect a child, um, anything. And um, but there we go. That's just me. So we had. Um, my mother and I had a horrendous relationship. I was able to get away from, from Edinburgh, which is where I'm from. I moved down to London uh, in the tail end of 98 um, because I'd, I'd have died in Edinburgh. I'd have died, I'd have either drunk or drugged myself to death. Well, I'd have just had a really short, pathetic life. Unfortunately, I was able to never see that man again. But it stayed with me, and there's no denying that. And it impacted all of my decision-making and my ability to build relationships. Obviously, I was very, very wary of men. Um, I went into, uh, I'm a chef by profession, which at that time was definitely male dominated, probably still is if I'm honest with you. And I really struggled around authority figures who were men. Um, and I just could not build any meaningful relationships. And I had enormous self-sabotage. Anytime I built something promising up, I'd just take a match to it. Um, and often, sadly is the case, um, I, I fell into addiction as well. So by the time I was at least 20, 21. I was, I was a full-blown alcoholic. I was drinking in the morning and everything. Um, now, I, just, I call myself an alcoholic. I know that's a word a lot of people don't like to hear, but that, that's the word I use. So I had, um, I had a, a, a relationship with a woman for, um, for many years. Um, and I told her, I told her quite early on. I've got no idea why I told her, but I did. Um, and that, that relationship wasn't, it wasn't great. It wasn't great for all of us, but she believed me. She believed me. Um, and she really encouraged me to get therapy and to go and get counseling for it, which I did. Um, and I left no stone unturned within that therapy and that counseling session. 
Um, initially, I was with a counsellor and it didn't work. I didn't really like the dynamic. Um, so I stepped away from it. And then four, four or five months later, I got a phone call back from the agency saying, do, do you want to re-engage? And I just thought, yeah, why not? Um, so I went along and I really connected with this therapist. I really, I got, I got a lot from my time with her and I left no stone unturned. I was completely honest about everything. Um, especially about how the drugs and the alcohol had at times been an attractive part of me being in that environment. You know, I mean, I wasn't getting beaten up or sexually abused every day. Uh, well, I wasn't. Um, but I did like getting off my head. Uh, so I was placing myself in that position. Um, and it was an enormous thing for me to take ownership around that. Um, that, you know, I myself had at times made myself vulnerable to that. Um, but I had, I know, but make no mistake, I'd also, I'd also been groomed and, and systematically made to believe that this was the best environment that somebody like me could be in. Like, who's going to want you? Look at you. Um, and for 12 years, I, I had peace. Um, I, I, I had peace of mind. Um, and I used to sort of keep myself up to date with um, uh, a Facebook group in the UK called Survivors UK. I used to sort of make comments and I donate money to them at Christmas and whatever, not to be holier than thou. And I... And then for a number of years after that, I worked um, in post-16 education with, with young kids that had perhaps struggled in school, things hadn't connected for them, and I helped them to get into employment opportunities. And I, I felt like I, I did that job for five years, and I, I really felt like I was putting something back into the pot. You know, the I don't know where you're watching this in the world, but I know that in the United Kingdom, once you leave school at 16, any any support that you have just drops away. Um, and, and young kids are just prior to just being, at the very, very least, took advantage of on a spectrum. So it was it, it, that was really rewarding work, um, and I felt that 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 also helped with my healing process as well. Um, but earlier on this year, I decided um, a friend of mine a couple of years ago had said he'd always found it very strange that I'd never actively pursued this man through the courts, and it landed. You know, I thought I need to do something about this, so I I looked up this man and. Um, He'd passed away. That's the bottom line. Uh, I was able to see through the church that he died, and he was in that he was in that church for thirty years, doing doing the role that he did in this church. And I don't think you need me to tell you um, that he'll have done a fair bit of damage in that time. Um, so I was unable to um, to pursue him through the courts. I don't know what I was going to do. I thought in the first instance I'll write a letter, and we'll go from there. And I wasn't able to do that. But obviously what's happened is after 12 years of peace, it's ripped the, uh, it's ripped the scar back open. And um, I'm remembering things more vividly. I'm remembering things with more depth. Um, and it's really hurt. It's really, really hurt. Uh, and of course, I myself have moved on in my own life. I'm, I'm married now. I have a son. Um, and it's took away from a lot of my joy on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, it's almost like I'm back in the late 90s, early noughties, if I'm honest with you. So there's something to say. Um, I've enjoyed reading the stories. I've enjoyed, I've, I've uh, uh, signed up to the Patron uh, and I'm going back into therapy uh, in February because um, if I don't deal with this, it'll just become something that just toxifies my, my whole life. And I, and I know that and I've lived that. 
Um, and so for anybody who is watching this and thinking, well, I'm just going to watch the videos, I'm just going to perhaps do the odd comment online, I'm going to join a few Facebook groups or whatever, what has happened to you is, is not your fault. Um, and at one stage you were a victor, uh, a victim, but you were now a survivor. Um, but a part of surviving is healing and growing, which, which is often incredibly painful incredibly painful and anybody who is currently in that in that state i want you to know that i i genuinely feel for you um, and you're not alone uh, but you 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 will need help and the hardest thing about that help is you're going to have to engage some kind of trust with somebody and that for us is often the very very hardest part of the process um, but there is organizations now that, that will help you will help you grow and to help you heal and to help you leave no stone unturned to live the rest of your life as a, as, a, as, a, as a functioning, productive person in whatever that means to you, it means different things to different people. It wasn't your fault. Uh, these people are evil, they're systematic, they know exactly what they're doing. And, and sadly, so often we, we are, 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 are not believed. We're, we're never believed and it's called the second scar and it, God, it hurts. That's what really hurts. Um, I still have a really complex relationship with my mother, who's now in her 80s. I'm expected to care for her, um, which I'm not going to lie, I don't want to do. Um, and um, it's not just me. My, my, my mother's on her own for a reason. And she's a, a very a, a very abusive personality herself. And she's paid the price for that. So I myself, uh, despite being 47, despite being 18 years sober, and despite having 12 years peace, I am back here again, exploring my abuse, being honest about my abuse and trying as best I can to, to help others, um, which, I, which I'm going to do once, I, uh, once I've gone through my therapy in February. I'm going to try to, to be more of a contributing person within this community. I would also say as well, if you are living with this dark secret within you, and nobody knows, you, you really need to tell somebody. Um, you really need to tell somebody, even if you just need to post it online within a group, or you can directly message something to say, you've, you've got to get it out in the first instance. It's like, a, it's like a pressure valve. As soon as you take that pressure valve off and you've told somebody, it's a start. But you do need to pick that person wisely. Because so often... I think people just can't take on board what you're telling them or they don't believe them. Um, I told my best friend earlier on this year, and I've known that man for 23 years. He knows about my alcoholism and other areas of my life as well. And I, and I told him um, and he believed me. Of course he did. He was a good man. He still is a good man. But it took me 23 years to tell that guy. Um, and I will say this, even though my mother's behaviour around my disclosure was unacceptable. I did feel better for disclosing it. The, the pressure valve went off. Um, you're not alone. It's not your fault. But what you do with your situation, what you do with your feelings and what you do with your abuse and your story moving forward is your responsibility. It is ours to look at. Um, it's okay not to be okay. And I know there's a lot of hatred online about mental health and people being weak. 
and all the rest of it. But there's also a lot of positivity online. There's also a lot of good things in this world right now. It is okay at this moment in time in society to say, I'm not coping, I'm struggling, and here's why. And you just need to find those places to go to and find those places to be safe. So uh, once again, my name, my name is Oliver. Um, I'm a chef in Bristol. Uh, I'm on Instagram. I'm, I'm, I'm known as the Sober Chef on Instagram. If you want to direct message me, I, I will always reply to you, especially if it's around this, if you're looking for support or you can go through something, something to say, which is also one of the best things I've discovered this year. It's a fantastic, it's a fantastic community. Um, I hope my story has provided you with, with something tangible to, to hold on to. Uh, we do, we do recover. Many of us do. Many of us do recover. And do not allow your abuser to live a second life through you in your own life. Because then they've just beaten you twice and you're worth so much more than that. And I wish you well. And I look forward to seeing more videos from more people within this community. Take care.